So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Hi everyone, it's Gary Neville here. We've got some unbelievably exciting news on the overlap. After our live show in Manchester last year, we decided to take the overlap on tour. On stage with me will be Roy Keane, Jamie Carragher, Josh Denzel and Kelly Cates. Tickets are available now. Make sure you come down and watch us, but remember, only if you like. Let's get it on. (laughs) Would Jamie Carragher get into the current Liverpool squad? Like the squad or like the the eleven? You don't have to be in the eleven, are you? Not even in the first twenty. You'll be in the in the stands. <laughs> you mean that as well, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's been quite a late rise to being in sort of the position that you are now and how you thought of. Yeah, I went under the radar a bit. But why is that? How can you go under the radar? Have you ever needed to see somebody like a counselor or a psychologist? Yeah, so it's something I uh, I needed. It really helped me. And it still does. There's rumours that Jurgen Klopp was doing a big job on you. The most important message he gave me was like, we want to get you or we don't get anyone. When you actually a centre back and then they pull you something as a right back, then you yeah. know it's something is yeah. could not be. That was me. <laughs> On the latest episode of The Overlap, I travelled to meet a player who many regard as the best centre-back in the world. Virgil van Dijk has won every major trophy in English football and was an influential figure in helping Liverpool to win their long-awaited 19th Premier League title. We talk about his early life growing up, how he deals with criticism and he gives his take on the upcoming World Cup. Virgil, welcome to the overlap. And our day's been ruined a little bit by the weather because we were going to play paddle, although I wasn't looking forward to it that much. I think you'd have had a pretty big advantage, to be honest with you. But I want to take you back to your early days growing up in Holland. And you had a brother and a sister. Just talk to us about your sort of early childhood memories and how that relates to football and obviously the influences in your life. My brother is two years younger than me, so I was always together with him. And you know, playing on the streets all the time and obviously always football orientated, you know, always, he, I put him in goal and I was just shooting. Were you a defender back then? Yeah, but I was always like, we, we played games that, that was always involving like shooting yeah. and you know, getting the ball to the edge of the box and just had to score, shoot from the D, you know what I mean? So in the middle, so those are the games that we always played and it was always finishing, always this type of stuff. So, um, no, I really, I really had a good, Good youth. My mom looked after us, you know, outstandingly, and you know, it's always been a, been very good. What piece of advice would you sort of remember growing up? What would your mum always say to you in terms of sort of like you know things that mums say? What, what what do you remember? I think always um, stay true to yourself and always have the respect for your you know fellow humans. So that's why uh, what I try to give to my kids as well, of course. How did you come to love football? What was the sort of the early first memory of football in your life? 
obviously I think when I was really young my father took me to football and obviously I was in the youth teams and I was only there for a year and then I went to the academy of Willem II and, and then I was at the academy for 10 years and I really really enjoyed it just being competitive being mm -hmm. able to you know winning games and even losing games would make me make me stronger and I felt that as well and, and it took time to you know get over a loss or get over a bad result, get over a mistake, but it really like gave me that bus yeah. to go again and again and again. So just the, the winning was, uh, was a big one. I mean, people obviously have this uh, impression over here of uh, a Dutch academy, very technical, fantastic coaches. And obviously you've been over in England and Scotland and Britain for quite a while now. How does a Dutch learning differ from sort of what would be an English one from what you've seen? Well, I think now it changed a little bit, but I remember I was 16 and we had a trip actually with uh, our team, like under 16s, to Newcastle. Right. And we took the boat, we went to Newcastle, <laughs> and it was an eye opener for us because that was so direct and fighting and, you know, very aggressive. And we yeah. were like, what was going on? And then I think we watched uh, a first team game. So Newcastle played at St. James yeah. Park, and I remember we were sitting next to the away end, so all the way up. Yeah. I was thinking, wow, what is going on? <laughs> this big stadium and that, you know the, the passion of the fans and all this stuff. And I really thought, like, listen, I have to be here. I have to play in the Premier League. Do you think that the blend of having that sort of upbringing in Holland, the technical ability, the passing range you have, mixed with that experience maybe at Celtic, up in Scotland, and obviously down in the Premier League, has made you almost into the complete defender? Because it's been quite a late rise to being in sort of the position that you are now and how you thought of. Yeah. Definitely. I think I went under the radar a bit. But why is that? How can you go under the radar? No, I wasn't like, I, I got my growth spurt when I was 16, 17. I got like over the summer, crazy growth spurt. Like you would see me after the summer, you would think, Is that 19, going on here? Was it 12 or 9, 15, 16? Yeah, yeah something like this. Something yeah, like this. Yeah, so my, my, uh, before the summer, my little brother was taller than me. After the summer, I was taller than him. And it sounds absolutely crazy what it is. I got growing problems. I had to get insoles. But after that, I started to like really like evolve and you know become the captain of the under 19s. I, I remember, yeah. you know, I, I made big steps. And before that, I was just just a regular boy, and I wasn't you know great, you know. But yeah. I was there. And after that, I made the steps. And I think what you said, being able to go from. Actually, Groningen in the end to Celtic was a big one because I played for one of the biggest clubs in the world that no one really, you know, realized in my opinion, you know, and, and I didn't realize as much yeah. before I joined. But when I joined, you know, it was unbelievable. Like playing Champions League first season, Barcelona, AC Milan, uh, played against Ajax. The year after I played the Europa League, I won two league trophies, I won a cup trophy. So all these things, the experience, made me ready for the Premier yeah. League and it was just the right sort of path that I, that I took and it definitely helped me and shaped me who, who I am today as well because as you know as well the experience is such a big thing especially for defenders for you know centre-halves and yeah. I feel like it only it only makes you better. Did you lose your confidence ever as a youngster in the youth team or even before that where you thought I don't think people believe in me or I don't think the coach is having me. Do you ever feel like that, where your confidence was low? Yeah, I think um, when I was 15, again, around that period was a lot of things happening, but when I was 15, before the growth spurt, 
I was struggling. I went, I didn't play all the time. And when I play, sometimes I play right back. So when you play right back, you know, it's always huh, quite <laughs> difficult. But no, but for me, you know, I was like, you are centre-back. I wish I'd had your growth, but I'd be some centre-back, I think. So, so when you when you, when you actually a centre-back and then they put you sometimes as a right back, then yeah. you know it's something is yeah. could not be... That was me. <laughs> Would Jamie Carragher get into the current Liverpool squad? Not even the first 20. <laughs> you mean that as well, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> it was around this time in my career where I started to think about the end. Not too early, though. <laughs> right, Virgil, we've asked the fans to give some questions and I've got the best ones here on Twitter. So if you could pick any centre-back from history to partner you, who would it be? Uh... Koeman? Brazy? Who uh... was your hero centre-back growing up? Well, I think as a Dutch guy watching the national team, Jaap Stam was obviously the... Yeah. Like, for me, he was the warrior. If you think about Jaap Stam, you think, like, he's, like three metres tall and uh, he will run to a brick. Um, that's what I thought always back in the day as well. So I would say him, but yeah, there are so many, so many good ones. Yeah, I'll there. go along with yeah. that. He was absolutely yeah, amazing. Stuff. Would Jamie Carragher get into the current Liverpool squad? Like the squad or like the, the 11? 11? You're, not, the, you're not having him in the 11, are you? Not even, not even in the, the full squad. The, the, <laughs> the first 20. You'll be in the, in the stands. <laughs> You mean that as well, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. You don't have to what do you think, though? Yeah, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, I think Matip, Kanate. Kanate. He, he, he had the spirit, a fire. Oh, wait a sec. So you have, to, you have to really like think about it now, OK? So you have two centre-backs playing. Hopefully I'm playing and then Joe Gomez now. Yeah. So you have Matip and Kanate. Yeah. You're not going to put a third centre-back on. No, but do you think he would get in front of them? Like, would you think he would get in the no. squad? And I'm that serious about that. Can you, go on, evolve there, man. No, I, I, I can listen to this all do you day. Think, do you think he was better than Konate and uh, Mati? Oh, no, I don't. No, but okay. I just want to know why you think he wasn't. <laughs> no, I don't want to... He, he, he played many, many games for Liverpool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think... Thanks for your service, but you don't. <laughs> no, I would say the modern day game, I think Mati and Konate would be ahead of him. Do you know one thing as well? I'll tell you one thing he couldn't do. He couldn't play high up the pitch where you play. He'd have you back behind the cop. <laughs> He'd have you in the car park. <laughs> that's amazing. That's the best part of the overlap I've ever, ever seen. Is it true that you agreed to sign for Sunderland from Celtic? Wow. Hey, someone's a bit knowledgeable wow. on Twitter, aren't they? That's unbelievable. Is that your agent on Twitter no. or something? <laughs> you sacked someone. No, there was, I would say there was interest from, from Sunderland at the time. Yeah. I didn't sign anything. No, I didn't. but you, you had was conversations interest. with me. There was interest. Thoughts on Lissandro Martinez? Obviously, a player who's come to United from Holland and the height difference and how you think he's done so far? Height difference is something, you know, everyone... Do you think wants. it's rubbish, that stuff? Yeah, you shouldn't even mention that. But obviously, it, it can help if you're a bit taller, but it also can not help you in certain ways. So I think he did fantastic against us. He's a good signing for United, very passionate, good on the ball. So, you know, I can only, you know, speak positive about him. You know, I've got respect for what he achieved so far and hopefully he'll be uh, doing well for United, but not getting successful in the, <laughs> in the other way. Is it just in this country that we say these sort of things, England, because we think that everyone has to be like, we still think every striker's six foot two and things. We do see football that way sometimes, don't we? 
I think in England, everyone has to say something about everyone. <laughs> that's just the, that's just it. So that's well, that's fine. You know, you know, you, you can't change that. But he showed already many good performances, and you shouldn't even think about you know all this other stuff. Um, so I get the impression you're not going to be a pundit when you finish no. your career. <laughs> well, you never know. But I never say never. Not in England, I think. Okay, a player you've never played with at club or international level, but would want to play with at Liverpool. Kevin De Bruyne. De Bruyne. You love him. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's unbelievable. I think if you if we would have played at Liverpool, we would have gone even further than we already are. I think he's outstanding, good on the ball, pressing, scoring. You know, got everything as a modern day uh, midfielder and. and, and Footballer in general, I think he's a outstanding player. If you could relive any game every night in your dreams, what game would it be? Oh, it's from Red Men TV. It's from your mob. <laughs> mob. And why is it beating United five 0 at Old Trafford? <laughs> to be fair, I would say first Barcelona game. Barcelona. Yeah. So the the, the turnaround yeah. when um, when Genie scored twice, and uh, in the end, Carlos, you know, winning yeah. the Champions League. And the United game, yeah, it was, it was quite enjoyable, yeah. It, to be fair, I'm not gonna lie. We always have difficult games there, but that evening was quite comfortable, and um, it's a good night. Who's the hardest striker you've ever faced in your career? Who's given you a tough time where you thought, oh, I didn't expect that today? Everyone got like yeah. a player. Yeah, that they think, well, how's he? Who called? was yours? Louis Saha. Okay. Oh my God, we used to play for Fulham. You always scored against. Scored, beat me up. Yeah. Held it. I couldn't get around him. It was. So funny, funny enough, like, Giroud. Giroud? I feel like I got him, but in some way, he always managed to score. Yeah. Whether it is with uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, France. <laughs> and I'm like, I said it to him as well, I think when we, when we won the league, actually, when we won 5-2, so we were 3-0 up or something, and he scored like a, Scrappy goal. Did he get across you at the near post? That no, I, I can't remember exactly. No, I think it was against the crossbar, Cross fell down, and then yeah, he's there. scrappy goal. And I said to him, You scored again. <laughs> so I would say that he is the guy that scores against me. Yeah. And just the annoying person, but you know, there are so many fantastic yeah. strikers I've played against Messi, Aguero. Haaland is, is a difficult one because he has everything. Are you going to go for Giroud? I'm going for Giroud. He's your bogeyman. Bogeyman, that's the right. He's a bogeyman. He's a bogeyman. Yeah. Annoying. Just thinking about your age now and where you're at, and you're going to go on for a long time, I can tell, but it was around this time in my career where I started to think about the end and making sure there wasn't that cliff edge to fall off. That's early, though. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got an injury around this time, so I think it was then that I started thinking about yeah. sort of business, coaching, media. Are you thinking about what you want to do already after your career? Have you got any idea what you'd like to? Are you planning post-career yet? Not really, no. When I speak to players that have retired, I think that the most important thing is, and you might confirm, is that you have to make sure there is something to fall on, to be ready to do, like not to be retiring and then think, oh, what are we going to yeah. do now? So I think when the time is there, you know, I definitely going to think about it. I think I definitely want to be involved in, in football in, in some ways, but I also want to try and live an anonymous life in some, some ways, even if it's going to be that difficult. That rules out coaching, well, yeah, media. Well, yeah, <laughs> definitely in the beginning, you know, I think, you know, having time for your family is something I, I really would love to uh, have even more than, 
because you know it's been so hectic already and if you then going into coaching straight after a player is, is you staying into the intense life and there's something I I won't see myself doing but never say never you know I can't can't rule anything out um, but I will rule out that I'm not going to be a pundit on English television I think <laughs> you're not going to go on Monday Night Football with no, Carragher no, no. Carragher no 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 chance no not going to happen nah. he likes you I think does he <laughs> he does whenever it suits him what was the point in your life where you thought, I'm struggling here? Have you ever needed to see somebody like a counsellor or a psychologist? Yeah, it's something I, uh, I needed. It really helped me and it still does. And I think it should motivate others to do that as well. Hi everyone, I hope you're enjoying this episode. This is just a quick thank you to Skybet, our partners, for making this show happen. It's something I've wanted to do for a long, long time. Please subscribe, there's loads more episodes coming up and I hope you're enjoying it. Right, let's get back into this episode. Virgil, we have this section on the overlap called failure is a bruise, not a tattoo, which means that something that was a low in your life but isn't permanent, it comes from when I was at Valencia, which... <laughs> Wasn't a particularly you laughing as well. Every every guest laughs at this point oh. in the interview. Yeah, you you must have seen my, my demise. <laughs> the good times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, so that was my failure is a bruise, not a tattoo. But what was the point in your life career that was your low where you thought I'm struggling here? What about the ACL, the cruciate ligament injury that you got? Yeah, like you know as well as a football player, if you know that you have done something with your knee, that's the worst you know you can get as a football player so I think when that moment happened and I'm in the minivan towards the clinic to get a scan immediately you're just praying you're just hoping that did you know you'd done it straight away did you well feel... I went down and I always feel like when I'm down I have to get up I have to feel my, like I get knocked all the time but I feel like if I'm up standing up I feel like all right I'm fine or yeah so I stood up and walked and I felt the instability immediately and I thought all right but when, you, when I'm walking around the pitch, so I had to go all the way to yeah. the corner in, in, in the stadium, I'm just thinking like, what can this be? You know, is this, is this it? Is this? I'm like thinking really mm. in myself. And then as we in the corner, I couldn't walk anymore. So I was limping. Then we did all these tests in the dressing room and there was a bit of a feeling that it was only gonna be the MCL, so the inside. So I had a bit of a, a hope um, that it could be positive, it could be yeah. okay, you know, MCL done, like three months, you'd be fine. Yeah. The Euros are coming in the summer. So I went for the scan. I went home. I was home alone, actually, that time. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Um, my wife was and the kids were back home in Holland, and they flew back in the next morning just to be with me. But I got a call from my physio and, and he said it's bad news. So, and then obviously the world collapsed 
it was uh, very, very tough to deal with. And what, like I said, you know, you had to, I had to wait a week in order to settle, uh, make yeah. sure it settles. Then I went to London and get surgery from Andy Williams. You know, he was fantastic for me and my family. And, um, and then the, the rehab starts. And what I said, the first three weeks was horrible, uh, pain, can't sleep. Uh, and then after that, actually, I went to Dubai and were there for like eight weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. And I had one of the best times of my life with my family there and having precious time with my family that I didn't have for years. Yeah. And it was lockdown here as well, by the way. So it was, it, it was there, it was all open and it was mm. just having a normal life and celebrating Christmas there, celebrating New Year there. So I seen again then the positive side of being together there and, and working you know, each and every day, twice a day, hard in order to be back as quickly as possible. And, um, but the beginning and, and the surgery was, was horrible. Tough. Have you ever needed to see somebody like a counselor or a psychologist about feeling down or low? Yeah, definitely. And, and the good thing is at Liverpool, we have, uh, we have a psychologist and I don't feel embarrassed to speak to him or something. I feel like sometimes I need to speak to him and I, I, I certainly do. Do you see him regularly? Well, you know, now and then, I, you know, his office is close to our dressing room, so sometimes I'll just walk in and chat about just normal stuff. Uh, but especially in the in the first, well, I said the first three, two, three weeks where I was very tough, I, I spoke with him. He came to the house and we had chats and all confidential. But you know, it's it's something I uh, I needed. I'm a very emotional guy, and obviously nobody really sees that. But not a lot of people really think about well-being and think about mental health as much as it should be um, but only when it's too late and I think it's very good that people are opening up to at least you know in my case to a, a psychologist and it really helped me and it still does and I think um, it should motivate others to do that as well. Do you have coping mechanisms that if you do have a bad moment that enable you to get over it like as in you know something that you say to yourself or an action or a habit or something that you do? No I try to learn from each moment that doesn't go right I try to make sure it doesn't happen anymore. And that's yeah. how I see it. So, for example, just as a small example, for, against Brighton, there was a cross and I tried to hit it. I mishit it, they score. And I know for a fact that next game, I will do something different. Or next moment when mm. the cross comes in, I make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm doing different. And that's how I see it with every everything that happens wrong or yeah. um, try to make sure that it doesn't happen anymore. And that's the only way to, to get better at it, I think. I, I used to find, I mean, it happened, obviously, it happened to me a lot, where when you make a mistake in a game, do you not think that, that that's the hardest thing to get over in the game itself? Yeah. You, you get experience yeah. with it, but it's hard when you make a mistake because it carries on in your mind a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm, I'm better in that. Like you said, like experience helps a lot with, in, in this case. Um, but it's, not, it's never easy like, um, to turn it around. And especially nowadays with, you know, everyone is focusing on, you know, on, on the smallest details, on... Whether it is on social media or, or talks after games, you know, it's it's something that it's sort of in the back of your mind, and and, and you know that you try to try to make it right, and 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 sometimes when you do too much, it, it goes the other way, of course. But you know, it's it's also part of part of life, you know, part of football. You yeah. know, you, we, football is a game of mistakes, and that's how it should be, and stay stay like that as well. And I feel like today, nowadays, yeah. everyone is making it out that we are all robots, and no one's making mistakes. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, football is taking that risk, taking mm. mis making mistakes and learn from the mistake and make it up for it. And it's 
you know, while we all love the game, and yes. that's sometimes good that you, you, you remind yourself to it. There's rumours that Jurgen Klopp was doing a big job on you. I spoke with the manager loads of times during that period, but the most important message he gave me was like, we want to get you or we don't get anyone. And that was a big message. Virgil, let's talk about Liverpool. And I remember the first time I did an interview about your move to Liverpool. And it was a night game I was doing, I think it was at Southampton actually, or somewhere. And they just paid £75 million for you. I was like, I've watched Virgil van Dijk at Southampton, he's good. But that's a lot of money, that. I think I underestimated, I think many people did, how good you would become. Did you feel straight away pressure of that fee, that expectation of going to Liverpool? Did you think, no, I'm ready for this, this is me now? I'm yeah, I definitely felt ready. But I know how the world works, you know. I know that everyone's going to be speaking about 75 million instead of actually the quality that I have. And I remember you actually speaking about it and having a, because everyone's giving their reaction at the time. And when we announced it, we had Sky Sports on at the, that evening. So and we knew that there's going to be so many opinions coming and stuff. But for me, it was just to keep my head down, get started and, and, and just be as good as you can. And that's the only influence I, I had. And I also helped the, the manager. You know, I spoke with the manager loads of time during that period. But um, the, the, the most important message he gave me was like, just play your game. And, you know, the price tag is the price tag. You didn't decide that you cost 75 million. You know, that's just decided by the market and by these negotiations and stuff. So that helped a lot. And obviously, the first game I've played helped a lot as well. Winning, scoring the winner, <laughs> um, then going away with the boys uh, on a trip to Dubai to get to know everyone, yeah. not on a football level, but just personally. So that helped, all helped. And after that, obviously, I just started to hit the ground running and just carry on. There was rumours at the time that Manchester City were in for you and other clubs were in for you as well. Why did you choose Liverpool that time? Obviously, they were a top-four team. There's rumours that Jurgen Klopp was doing a big job on you in terms of contacting you and he was sending you videos. Is that true? Or <laughs> Go on, you can, you can tell us now. No I know you want to hear all this stuff, of course. <laughs> but uh, no, I think the reason I've cho chosen for Liverpool is that I really you know, wanted to play for a club that really lives and breathes football and also the project. I think in the end, when I spoke to Jurgen Klopp, the message was also that what he wants from me and what he wants from me for the future was something that, you know, only made me even more hungry yeah. to, come, to come here. Did he tell you that you we're going to win the league, we're going to win the Champions League, that's what we want to do and you're going to be part of that? Was he explaining that to you at the very beginning when you first met? Well, I think everyone from the outside world always, always felt a bit like, you know, there's a couple of pieces missing towards the success that Liverpool could have again. And it's ne never guaranteed, like everyone knows, but he saw that I was definitely a piece uh, to the puzzle. And as was the others that, that, that we got in the summer, for example, Alisson, yeah. and Fabinho, and um, you know, the importance he, he, he put in me and told me that I was gonna be, was definitely you know, a big boost. And mm. it was a bit like, you know, we wanna get you or we don't get anyone. Mm. And that was a big message for me. What were your first impressions of Jurgen Klopp? Obviously, you've got a great relationship with him now, but what were your first impressions of the type of manager that he was going to be and you know, initial thoughts on him? Yeah, obviously, what you see is on, on TV. You, you, you see, when I played with Southampton there, for example, 
You see him standing, looking at your warm-up. You know, it's all these yeah, why small things. Why does he things. do that? I always notice that. He comes out and just watches the other team's warm-up and he watches his Us. own team's warm-up. Yeah. Yeah. Is it to intimidate the opposition Listen, a little bit? I think, I think it would do. I think know. for a fact, you're going to have a good warm-up there. You're going to make sure every pass you make, you, yeah. you try to, you know... Not that you sort of give him the feeling that he might go in and say, like, listen, he had a bad warm-up, you yeah. have to get on him. But I remember when I played my last game uh, for Southampton and we lost 3-0 um, at Anfield. He was also you know, looking and I de it definitely, you know, triggered me a little bit. Yeah, you know. so he watches the opposition. Like, yeah. You, yeah, and you noticed yeah. that, did you, when you were playing for Southampton? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think everyone <laughs> noticed that. So, But yeah, it's uh, a very warm person. Um, very passionate. I only have, you know, positive words about him, you know, it's not because he's, he's the boss, but I really enjoyed working with him and um, I've been very, very blessed that I've got a lot of good managers in my career so far and um, some managers I learned a lot from is, and he's definitely one of them. I want to talk about your fullbacks. Firstly, the one that you play with on your side, Andy Robertson. Just tell us a little bit about your relationship and how you pair together on that side. Yeah, Robo is a fantastic player, full of energy, passionate, it's, 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 it's been a pleasure to play with him. And is he a big voice in the dressing room as well? Is yeah, he, he, has, he has one of the, you know, one of the leaders in my opinion. Yeah, you know, he, has, um, he has that in him. Obviously, he's the captain of Scotland. Yeah. Um, I played against him when I was at Celtic, yeah. of course, playing against Dundee United. <laughs> and funny enough, I was saying to our scouts that we should try and get him at Celtic. But in the end, obviously, he went to Hull and you know, yeah. things happened. But, just in general, you know, playing with him, is, it's, been, it's been incredible, you know. I'm hard to him, but he's hard to me. We, we, we have that good relationship that we want to, you know, get the maximum out of each yeah. other. And, you know, outside the pitch, what I said to you before, I think he's uh, one of the, the funniest guys in the team and always in for a laugh and that's something you need as a, in the team and, and character. And then at right back, you've got Trent. Can you believe in this country, in England, that Trent Alexander-Arnold, I mean, you can't believe it, that he doesn't actually get into the England team, squad sometimes. Are you like, how can that be? Yeah, I was, I was surprised last time that I saw him on, in the stands. To be fair, like, England are very lucky with very good right-backs. So you've done probably one, some, some things good when you, were, when you were playing that everyone wants to be like you, but... <laughs> Someone once said that he didn't want to be like me. <laughs> no, so, um, no, I think, you know, obviously, Rhys James also, you know, is outstanding. Cal Walker, but I definitely think Trent should be at least in the squad. And, you know, in the end of the day, you know, obviously they play five in the back. That's a, a bit of a different role than for, for him. But with his quality, if you give him the confidence that, he, that, he, that everyone needs, yeah. you know, it can be so valuable for England. Over the last four years, people have regarded you as being the best centre-back. Mm -hmm. How has that development come so late? It's unusual to get a player who you know, is 27, 28, and then all of a sudden becomes the best centre-back in the world. Ordinarily, you'd see that coming at the age of 21, 22, and it'd grow. But you just obviously, that, that jump from Southampton to Liverpool just yeah. propelled you into a different league. Did you see that coming, or is it something no, that's... No, no. It comes with the, the consistency, I think. Uh, and in the end of the day, first and foremost, best centre-back, that's all opinions. You know, everyone yeah. has their opinions. But for me, you know, to be performing on the highest level, on a consistent basis, winning things, um, being the captain of my national team, just the, I think that the whole package I think you know give people these opinions. And for me, it was it's nice to get recognition. It's nice to be talked about in a positive way. But I just 
I just play football because I really enjoy it. Do you enjoy I'll, it? I'll, I, I do enjoy it. Because I never enjoyed it. I do. I was always too much. I always felt like if I made a mistake, I was like, yeah, oh, no, I was played like that. Yeah, I think. But to you be don't fair, make as many as I did. Wow. Well, <laughs> maybe. Maybe you don't see it. No, but I think obviously at, at, in your era, I think you had difficult challenges that you as footballers have to face. But we as in our era, we are under a microscope, like on a football microscope as well. Yeah. Everyone has their opinion on, you know, different moments. He yeah. should do that, he should do this, he should do that. The cameras, the social yeah. media is unbelievable. And, that's, and that's, that's not easy, but we have to deal with it regardless. And that's absolutely fine. But obviously sometimes it's not fine and it's, it's not easy. Does criticism face you? Well, listen, 90% it doesn't face me. Yeah. But I can't lie, you know, sometimes obviously it hits you in some ways and, and you know that you can't say anything about it and you try to sort it out with performances because that's the only thing you have influence on. Um, but we're not immune. We're not no. immune to any criticism. We're not immune to cyber bullies or stuff, stuff like this, you know. Is it social media or is it the punditry or is it the newspaper? It used to be the newspapers for us. They were, yeah, I mean, like, they were brutal, but now it's not really... That's what I mean. Like for you guys, I think it was more newspapers. Yeah. For us, it's like everyone is on social media and everyone can reach you in a certain way. And, and are you on it? Are you, do you, what, do I'm you, not do you really, look I'm it? not really. I'm not really on it. And uh, that's a good thing as well. But like there are so many young players, obviously, they are on it constantly. And it's not easy to deal to deal with this 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 type of stuff, regardless. And it's something we have to deal with, and everyone expects us to deal with it. But in the end of the day, we're not immune to it, and um, that's that's something people shouldn't forget. It'll be crazy that, won't it? Playing the Premier League one week and yeah. then a World Cup game the week. Yeah, after. we play actually Saturday and then the following Monday our first group game in Senegal. Is it something that you're all talking about? You know, it's gonna cause big upsets. On the World Cup, it's unique. The World yeah. Cup's never been in yeah. the middle of a season. Is it something that you think that's playing on quite a few players' minds about making sure they don't get injured or making sure they've got this this is a strange season, it's split into yeah. two? Is it something that you're all talking about? You know, it's going to cause big upsets because you have to make sure you have the right base set before you go to the World Cup. And then the World Cup, anything can happen with so many players going there. But apart from that, like everyone is going into games fully focused on, in, in our case, in Liverpool. And obviously, like, I thought about it as well, like, maybe the last game, like Southampton, uh, where we played there, you know, maybe some players will, from both sides will think, oh, next week we have to report Playing in Qatar. So maybe that, but it will personally... Be it'll be crazy that, won't it? Playing the Premier League one week and yeah. then a World Cup game the week yeah, after. Yeah, we play actually Saturday and then the following Monday, our first group game against Senegal. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's... You know, it's something we have no control on, but everyone is looking forward to it. And, and it is, it has been said and it is sort of announced and it's already done, you know. So just focus on what's ahead of you, stay fit, get in the best moment and, you know, perform on the highest level. Have Holland got a great chance? I feel we have a, a great group of players, a very good manager, a good balance of experience, but also talent and players that are going to be in their best years and we are very difficult to break down mm. so obviously tournament is a tournament anything can happen but I think we are having a, a good feeling a good feeling but that's based on obviously the last 15 games we had together and going into the nation final now and 
we have to stick together, stay together and, and do it all together. And I think that's the message and everyone mm. understands it as well. What do you think of this England team? Obviously, they've done very well in the last couple of tournaments. When you watch them, people say they need to be more attacking. Do you think that when you watch them or...? I think England has so much quality. Unbelievable players, in my opinion, like Foden, Rashford, Bellingham. Even Joe Gomez should go, in my opinion. Do you think he could make a late run? Because England have got problems in centre-back. I think he should. And obviously, I tried to help him uh, play good as well. Yeah. So, to help him... <laughs> he was brilliant against City. He was outstanding. And the good thing with him is he can also play very good in that back five. Yeah. But England wants to play in the middle, on the right, even on the left. But I think, in general, I think England has fantastic players. and. I think the problem with England over the last couple of years is, and obviously the last tournament, the tournament they did very well, apart from winning the, the tournament, but is the, the team and the togetherness, I think, and all together on the same page. I think there have been things happening over the years and you know, within the squad or within mm. some certain players, and then it doesn't really benefit the, the, the squad. But it's, it's incredible how much quality you guys have. But that's, you saw that obviously with the golden generation yeah. you guys have. That it was um, a silver even generation. Then, well, <laughs> even then, it was uh, possible that you didn't win no. the tournament. So, in the end of the day, it's gonna be excited, excited to be out there. Definitely something to look forward to. And we'll see what it brings. Virgil, thank you so much. You're very Amazing welcome. to have you on the old bar. Thank you. Thank you. Hi everyone, it's Gary Neville here. We've got some unbelievably exciting news on the overlap. After our live show in Manchester last year, we decided to take the overlap on tour. On stage with me will be Roy Keane, Jamie Carragher, Josh Denzel and Kelly Cates. Tickets are available now. Make sure you come down and watch us, but remember, only if you like. Let's get it on. <laughs>